And Father, we have come tonight, Lord, to gather together, to worship you, Lord, to hear your word, Father, to come as one body, Lord, under one spirit, under one faith, Lord. Father, we ask that you would just freely move among us, Lord, teaching us what your word has. Father, that your spirit may be the one that speaks and not I. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Say hi to your neighbor and somebody around you and then have a seat. Hi. Well, it's great to see you guys. Thank you guys for coming and, and uh, being part of tonight's uh, gathering and teaching tonight. As you know, Pastor, well, those of you that might not know, Pastor was feeling sick. So today he needed a little bit of chance to rest. So he asked me to step in. And sure enough, here I am. Okay, great. So as some of you guys already know, that usually whenever Pastor asks me to step in and to teach for him, I usually pick a subject of something that's going on in my life at the time, and, and this time was no different. Uh, I just returned back from Texas not too long ago, um, probably last week, uh, not this Saturday, but last Saturday. I went to uh, visit my sister who was involved in a hit-on collision. Some of you may already know that, and she was injured really bad. Now, this happened a while back, and it, it, maybe three weeks prior to me arriving or two weeks prior to me arriving, but the thing was, is that I kept feeling a tug in my heart to go, and specifically the reason the Lord was telling me to go, and I just was just hesitant, is because he wanted me to go and share the gospel with her, you know, so for, for me, that was difficult, for some of you, it may be easy to share one-on-one, and, but for me, it's, it's hard, it, it, it really is, it's a difficult thing for me to specifically have the purpose in my heart that say, I'm going to go out there, and I'll use the example as door, of door-to-door ministry, but I'm going to go out there, I'm going to knock on someone's door, I'm going to have them open the door, have no idea who they are, and I'm going to sit there and share the gospel with them. But there is such a fear. Now, you're probably wondering, why are you such a big scaredy cat? You're sitting here in front of people and you're talking and it's not a problem. Yeah, but see, you guys can't reach me or hit me. I'm too far away. At least I hope you can't. I'm hoping that I can limp away fast enough before you get up here. No, but it is a truly a big fear. And I started thinking about that and I go, well, why is that, Lord? So I decided that, that this time I was going to look into that and to prepare my study and, and, and I chose to name it, Give Them Jesus. Real simple. Give them, Jesus, how to witness, how to share your faith. Well, that's great, but there's still that fear. And before we get into that, I want to share with what I found to be the 10 most fearful things people uh, do. Now, mind you, I don't know if this is Greek or some fancy uh, mumbo-jumbo philosophy, psychology words, so I'm going to try to pronounce them the best I can. There's a word called glossophobia. Glossophobia, that's fear. What is it? Yeah, okay, good. See, see, she already corrected me already. See, that's why I'm scared to be up here because I'm going to say the wrong thing. But it's a fear of speaking in public. That's, that was the number one. The next one was arachophobia. The only reason I know how to pronounce that one is because I watched the movie and I remember them announcing this, arachophobia. That is the fear of spiders. Claustrophobia. Yeah, 
claustrophobia. That's the fear of confined or tight places. Archophobia. Archophobia. I can tell you I have that. That is the fear of heights. Now, this is a tough one, so bear with me. I'm going to try to pronounce it. Kineomortophobia. Kineomortophobia. You ready for this? Fear of zombies. <laughs> Fear of zombies. Okay, we'll keep going. Astro. Astra. I'm sorry. Astrophobia. Fear of thunder and lightning. <laughs> I like this one. Dentophobia. Yes. The fear of dentists. Okay. Okay. Uh, Nycto. Nycto. I might be pronouncing it right. Nyctophobia is the fear of darkness. <laughs> Here's another tough one. Ohio Ohio-phobia. Snakes. And then aerophobia. Aerophobia. Well, that's easy. That would be the fear of flying. Now, I realize that these are real. Now, yes, I'm making fun of some of these. And the reason why is because I thought it was funny to me. But they're real fears to people. Okay, so I put myself in, in that case and I wanted to, to, to kind of understand why people have these fears. So I thought, so then, why am I so afraid to go and share my faith, to go door to door? So then I could see myself in... Just look at all this that can happen. These are the things that can happen. That you go up, and you, you, you ring the doorbell, you go, and then it comes, and what can go wrong if you do that? What can possibly go wrong if you go and, and hit the door and find out? Okay, now we know that, public speaking, there might be a spider by the door. What if there's a spider by the door? What if they have a snake inside? There's people that actually have snakes around their neck. Can you imagine you're going door to door and you open, they open the door and they got a snake or there might be a spider going by? What if the person has a spider in their front door, has a snake around their neck, and they're a dentist? Now that could really be a problem. Oh no, what if a zombie opens the door? Now, of course, I'm making a joke of it. And the thing is, there's actually, I found a list of 100 phobias. 100 phobias, what? That are truly clinically found to be scared, scary things, a phobia. Now, the thing, the thing about this is this, is that there is a fear of going, you know, of course, there's the fear of rejection, the fear of them slamming the door. So let's get past the fear. Let's get past the fear. Let's get to the point where now you've made the determination that you took your bug spray, you got your zombie patch that says zombie killer, okay? You already went for your dental checkup, so, so there's absolutely no, nothing that could go wrong. You knock on the door now, and you're ready to do. What are you going to do? Well, the first thing that I found is that I, I started thinking about this, and the thing that I want to tell you is that before I retired, and I've been retired six years, from where I used to work, I used to be an instructor of various subjects. And regardless of the subject matter, there was a few things that I had to know. It's just, it just, that's all there is to it. There's a few things that you had to know. First of all, the first thing that I had to know 
was to know the subject matter, to know what I was going to be teaching. You had to know it, okay? And not just know the subject matter, but you actually had to be able to implement it, or more, more important, to be able to use it, to do an on-hands thing. Now, this is gonna, you guys are going to think that I'm absolutely crazy, but I used to teach defensive tactics. I used to teach self-defense, if you will, or how to take people down. Don't let this physique fool you. At one time, I used to be an instructor of use of force. Okay, so it was great that I could, I could sit up in a class and tell them everything. But if I physically could not go up to any person there and do an on-hands demonstration of how to do it, what good would I be as an instructor? You, you couldn't do anything. Another thing you had to know is you had to know who your audience was. You had to know who you were going to be directing your knowledge to, who you were going to be directing, what you're going to be sharing with them. And the last thing that I had to know is I had to know how to keep them engaged, engaged, you know, paying attention to me throughout the whole lesson. Okay. Now, two of those you could master prior to going to the teaching or to going to your lesson. Okay. You had to, you know, you, you, you could learn the subject matter. You could learn how to implement it, how to do it, how to do it. But there was two that would and could change. And that would be the other two. Knowing the audience, okay? But more important, how to keep them engaged. How to keep them paying attention, okay? And so you're saying, are you testing us right now? I notice that you're watching. I better not yawn. I don't know what he's going to do. He's going to pull out a zombie or something. No, no zombies anymore. We're past the zombies. But just, I had to know how to keep someone engaged, to keep paying attention to me in order for me to know what it was. Now, based on everything that I've said, each class that I taught would be different. Not necessarily the subject matter, but the individuals. You know, because I would, I would teach from, from peace officers all the way to support staff, medical staff, just anybody, depending on what, matter, what subject matter I was teaching on. So I had to be able to learn and keep them engaged. The same, the same joke that would work for a peace officer would definitely not work for someone who's a real smart person and is a pharmacist. You had to know how to do a pill joke. We, okay, never mind. Forget the pill joke. Okay. After all that, you can take from this lesson today is that God has been preparing you in order for you to share your faith. Everything, no, not, forget about what I said. The thing that you need to take from here is that God has been preparing each and every one of you to be able to share your faith. And he's been doing it through your personality, okay, the education that you have, the hobbies that you enjoy and the lifestyle that you've been living. Now, I want you to think about it. You're probably thinking, man, you don't know anything about me. And you're right. I I don't know anything about you. But God does. And if God says that he's been preparing you, then he must be been preparing you. Because no matter what you've done in the past, it could be used to warn people 
not to do it, or it can be used to encourage people to do it even more. Okay, so just throw that in the back of your mind. But let's get started. What I want to look at is uh, some examples of people in the Bible that were sharing their faith. Okay, so we're going to look at specifically three examples that we're going to look at. But before I do that, I want to do a disclaimer. The same way where I would do a disclaimer in training, that just because I showed you how to disarm someone doesn't mean you're going to, you're going to be an expert to do it at, to do it just the first time. Okay, so this is a disclaimer. The, the thing that I want to make sure that you understand and you know that if you're already sharing your faith, I'm not telling you to change. You continue doing what God has placed in your heart because you're already doing it. And I'm not saying that my way is better. I'm not. Understand that. I'm just, what I am saying is that I'm going to share with what I'm saying. But what I am saying is if you're wondering how to share your faith or you're not sharing your faith at all, pray about the methods that you hear from me today and see where the Lord takes you. Example one, for those of you that have your Bible, please turn it to John chapter 9. Now, this is a big portion of Scripture, so what I'm going to do while you guys are turning to John chapter 9, I'm going to kind of briefly give you a scenario of what's going on in this subject matter or in this chapter. Okay, John chapter 9, and I'm going to just kind of bring you in into what's going on, and then, and then I'll start reading and then share exactly what the Lord has placed in my heart. Now, Jesus passed by and saw a man who was blind from birth. So he's walking with his disciples, and they see, he sees a man who, who's been blind from birth. His disciples asked Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents? Now, Jesus answered and said, neither of them, okay, that the works of God may be revealed. Okay. Now, Jesus puts mud in this guy's eyes. Now, it's for the, some of you already know what specific thing that I'm talking about, but because of lack of time, I don't have time to cover the whole chapter. But Jesus put mud, mud in this guy's eyes, and he sends him to wash. The man is obedient. He goes wash, and then he, and then he can see. Okay. His neighbors who knew that he was born since he was blind and those who knew him asked him, how did you receive your sight? How did you receive your sight? He tells them that there was a guy by the name of Jesus who put mud in his eyes, told him to go wash, and then all of a sudden he can see. Okay, then there's a group of guys, the know-it-alls, by the name of the Pharisees. The Pharisees find out that this was done on the Sabbath. Now, for those of you that may not understand what's going on right now, is that they didn't care that there was a miracle that had taken place. What they cared is that the job of healing had been done on something called the Sabbath. And for the Jewish people, the Jewish nation, working on the Sabbath was the biggest no-no that was supposed to happen. It was one of the biggest things, and that was one of the greatest things that they would always have against Jesus because he did things on the Sabbath, healing people and doing miracles. Okay, now, these Pharisees call the man in and question him. Okay, 
Then they question his parents. Okay, because I imagine this guy's pretty old by now, and you'll see why. Now, the parents tell the Pharisees to ask the son because he's of age. So go ahead now, go to John chapter 9, verse 24. Now, you can follow along now, starting in verse 24. I'm going to read verse 24 and 25. So now that you've caught up, there's a miracle that took place. This guy was, was blind. Jesus put mud in his eyes. He sent him to wash. People are asking, what's going on? How did this happen? So verse 24 says, So they again called the man in, the Pharisees, who was blind, and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered and said, Whether he is a sinner or not, now that was the man who answered, I do not know. The one thing I do know, that I was blind, but now I see. He didn't know nothing other than I was blind, And now I see. This is the perfect example for those of you who say, I do not share my faith because I don't know anything about the Bible. So example number one is is for someone who says, I don't share my faith. I don't talk about Jesus. I don't talk about God because I don't know anything about the Bible. Okay. You don't know anything. That's okay. However, every one of you that is born again cannot deny that God has changed something in your life. Now, let me repeat that again. Every single one of you that is born again cannot deny that God has changed something in your life. Well, first of all, you now can say, I am no longer going to hell. That's a pretty powerful statement. Just think about it. Think about when you were not a believer yet. Think about a time when you did not, had not accepted Jesus before in your life and someone told you about hell. It usually brings two things. One, it scares you or you didn't believe in it. Well, this is a funny story and, and, and I just remembered right now. Hey. Okay? When I was working, I was still working. This is, goodness gracious, this, I'm going to say I've been retired 6, 24. So almost 30 years ago, maybe 28, 29 years ago, I used to work uh, inside an institution, and I worked something called S&E, which is search and escort. Basically, what those individuals, they would respond to whatever emergency was needed in the facility. Now, I worked for the California Youth Authority, which used to be, uh, down on Euclid Avenue, right there, is called YTS at one time, and then they changed it to the Heeman G. Stark Youth Training School, and then I don't know what happened to it, then they closed it. Okay, but I would be at a, in a position that, that was called, I was the base, base of the tower, which I would respond, but when I was not responding, I was supposed to stand underneath this tower where people would, well, the inmates would walk past to either go to the education, to go to the medical, to go wherever they needed to go. They had to go past me. But also what we call free staff and other peace officers would go past there in order to go to education, industrial, administration, or to the living units. And on really hot days, people would go by and ask me. And they, my, name, my last name is Flores. and say, Flores, 
don't you think it's hot out here? And I'd say, yes, but you know what? I'm so glad I'm not going to hell, so it's not that bad. Can you imagine this guy in a suit going by and you telling him, well, I'm so glad I'm not going to hell. He'd look at me and like, my... and some would say, amen, brother, amen. But most people couldn't get away from me fast enough because of that. So I know that if you tell someone, if you tell someone, I'm not going to hell. That's a change that's taken place in your life. It says, and you tell them, not just I'm not going to hell, I'm going to heaven. So that's another thing you can tell them, even though you don't know anything, but you know those two things. Next, the Holy Spirit lives in my heart. And see, that's a neat thing. You may not know where it says it in the Bible. You may not understand how that works. You may not know anything other than that when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you weren't going to go to hell. You were going to go to heaven. And the Holy Spirit came and resided inside your heart. You are now filled with the Holy Spirit because that, the Bible tells us that you are the, that is the seal of your salvation. So look, there's a few things. But the most important thing you can say is, I was blind, but now I see that Jesus died for me. Let me say it one more time. I was blind, but now I see that Jesus died for me. All of a sudden, you just told someone the full gospel. You have no idea that you were able to do that. You have no idea where it is in the Bible. And nowhere does it say in the Bible, in order for you to witness to someone, you have to tell them book, chapter, and verse. It doesn't. It just says, give them what you have. The blind man said, I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. I don't know who he is. I don't even know what he looks like because I was blind when he did it. But what I do know now is that I was blind, but now I see. So you can scratch that example out that you, you can no longer use that excuse. Got it? So let's move on. That was an easy one, wasn't it? That was a fun one for me. Thank you very much, Lord. Example number two. This I'm going to ask you to turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And I'm going to start reading in verse 20. So turn to John chapter 12, verse 20. This one, I kind of entitled this example as, just be yourself. Just be yourself. No one else, just, just yourself. It says, in John chapter 12, starting in verse 20, it says, Now there was a certain Greeks, certain Greeks, among those who came up to worship at the feast. And they came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida of Galilee, and asked him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Now Philip came and told Andrew, and Andrew in turn, and Philip told Jesus. Now how do you, what are you talking about, Sal? What are you talking about? Okay, first of all, we've got to understand the concept here. Okay, these Greeks... They came to worship. So in other words, they had changed from being pagans to believe in the living God. Kind of Judaism, if you will. They, they, they learned a new religion. However, they came up to a guy named Philip, 
and tell him that they wanted to see Jesus. Now, look at this. Philip didn't know what to say, did he? Because it says right there, now, that he had to go to Andrew. And then Andrew, in turn, and Philip went to Jesus. Now, just have that in the back of your mind. Now, for me, it doesn't get any easier than this, okay? Because now, that's not what I want you to look at. What, what Philip did, what I want you to look at, well, before we do that, let me, let me make sure. Okay, this Philip is not the same Philip as in the New Testament, in, in Acts chapter 8. Okay, in there we have a Philip who, who was one of the deacons, who was one of the deacons who became as Philip the Evangelist. This is Philip, one of the original disciples of Christ, okay? He is a, he is a Jew. The other one was, was not a Jew. Okay, see, the thing is that I want you to look at is what he did and didn't do, okay? First of all, we see that Philip was caught off guard. He didn't know what to do. He didn't. The next thing is he... He goes, and, and, he's, and, and you recognize and see that that's okay when you don't know what to do. Because all you have to do is do what Philip did. He didn't, he didn't ignore the Greeks. Because maybe if you ignore the person knocking on the door, they'll go away. Now, who usually comes knocking at your door? Yeah, you know who it is, and since this is going on Facebook and YouTube, I don't want to get myself in trouble and say they're Jehovah Witnesses. Oh, sorry. Too late. Well, people that believe other than who, what we believe. Because that was the one thing in my household, my mom would say, she'd say it in Spanish, don't open the door, they'll go away. Well, they don't go away. Because they usually say, I can see you in there. You can't hide. But anyways, he didn't ignore the Greeks, hoping that they would go away. He didn't make up something that sounded good. And you know, and that's what I find sometimes. I find sometimes, and I catch myself too. Because I remember one time, I had, a, I had an administrator, somebody pretty high up, uh, by the time I was a range master, and I, and I taught weapons. And this, this administrator came up to me and asked me, said, Flores, what do you think of this, this, and this about this gun? And you know what? I was just about ready to say something just to sound halfway decent smart, and I had to tell the truth, and I said, you know, I don't know. I don't have that type of gun. I don't know anything about it. Now, they walked away thinking, well, what kind of range master is he? But Listen to this. It's better for you to admit you don't know something than to say something you think is smart and then they go and find out that you're even worse because you can't even admit when you don't know something. So think about that. Okay? But what he did do is he seeked help. He went to Andrew. And Philip went to someone who knew a little bit more. Now, why am I saying that Philip knew a little bit more? Well, I'm only basing it on what the Bible says. The Bible says that he went to Andrew. Okay? He didn't have to go to Andrew. He could have took the Greek straight to Jesus, but he didn't know what to do. And see, so in turn, what I'm saying to you is this. It's okay that you don't know anything. It's okay that 
that you need to go and ask somebody. It's all right. If, if, it, if you're sharing your faith and someone gives you a question that you cannot answer, you just tell them, you know what, I don't know, but give me an opportunity to find out and I'll come back to you with an answer. What I want you to do now is I want you to turn to Acts chapter 3. I'm going to be reading uh, verses 1 through 6. Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3, and it says... Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, lame, couldn't walk, from his mother's womb, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask for alms from those who entered the temple, who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. The first time I came across this scripture, I thought it was the most amazing portion of scripture. And hopefully I'll be able to explain why, but I just want you to know that I think that it is so powerful. Those of you who they were here a few weeks ago, I don't know how long it's been, but last time I taught on a Sunday night, I taught on the powerful name of Jesus. But just listen, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Well, to me, that just, just blows my mind. But see, what I want to look at is what took place in this exchange, okay? Peter gave him only what he had to give. Peter didn't have anything to give to him of what he was seeking. Peter only gave him what he had. Peter could have said, I am an apostle. He could have identified himself. He said, I'm an apostle. And someday, some people are going to think I'm the pope. That was a joke, so, but that's okay. He, 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 wasn't, he, he wasn't a pope, but just never mind. Forget it. I just... I'm sure somebody on Facebook will think it's funny. But anyways, now, he didn't. He didn't say, Peter said, "Silver silver and gold I do not have. Also, Peter said, what I do have I gave to you, I give to you. Peter gave him the only thing he had to give, which he did not own it. He gave him the name of Jesus. And the thing, the thing I think is so important in regards to that he didn't say who he was, and we can see that in the scripture, because he says, he tells them, Peter said, look at us. Look at us. Very easy. And you know, the first time I seen that in, in preparing for the study, I missed it. Well, what's the big deal, Sal? What's the difference if he would have said, look at me. Look at me. And think about it. When you're going to witness, when you're going to share, yes, you use yourself as an example. You tell them about what 
God has done inside you, but you never bring the attention to yourself. You never make it about you. You make it about Jesus and him crucified. And it's real important that we see that. And I, and I honestly believe with all my heart that this is an example of that, is that you be yourself but never point to yourself. And right here we see that Peter didn't do that. And remember, Peter was known for sticking his foot in his mouth, always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, but he also said some pretty powerful things also. But most of the time, prior to the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, Peter would always blow it by saying the wrong thing. But yet here, he said, look at us. And I think, I believe that's so important, that when you're going to be yourself, you don't point at yourself. You point at the Lord. And, and he took the attention off himself and said, look at us. So just think about it. If, if I'm going to sit here and look, what, 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 which one of you will look at you? Uh, who, who's the one that's got the power? Who's the one that's doing this? Don't worry about that. Okay? And that's the important thing I see here. Now, the best example and, and this is the one that I really, really, really get excited about. Okay, the third example is keep it simple, keep it the gospel. That's all there is to it. Just keep it simple and keep it the gospel. Here, we're going to go through a lot. Of, uh, a lot. So t- go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 17. There's going to be a lot of reading, and I, and I just pray that you bear with me. And I'm going to start reading at verse 16. And I'm going to read from verse 16 to verse 34, okay? Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 16, and I'm going to read through verse 34. And it says, Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was taken over to idols. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogues with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers, and in the marketplace daily with those who happen to be there. And that's a key note in regards to witnessing. And I'm going to continue, but whoever's there, whoever's there, there's always someone going to be there. Continuing in verse 18, it says, Then certain Epicureans and Stoic philosophers encountered him, and some said, What does this babbler want to say? Others said, He seems to be proclaiming of a foreign god's. Because he preaches to them Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the, and I'm going to mispronounce this, the Aeropagasus. Okay? Saying, may we know what this new doctrine is that you're, that, which you speak. For you are bringing some strange things to our ears. Therefore, we want to know more about what these things mean. For the Athenians and the foreigners who were there uh, spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear of something new. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Aeropagasus and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. For as I was passing through 
And considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with the inscriptions to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him, I proclaim to you, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshiped with man's hands as though he needed anything since he gives to all life breath and all things and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation so excuse me, so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have one being, as also some of his own poets, some of your own poets said, for we are all also uh, his offsprings. Therefore, since we are the offsprings of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone or something shaped by art and human devising. Truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained. He has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. And when they had heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked while others said, we will hear you again in this matter. So Paul departed from them from them, however, some men joined him and believed. Among them, Dionysus the Areopagite, a woman named Demetrius, and others with them. Now, that is what's known as the Sermon on Mars Hill. Now, that was a lot that we covered. That was a lot that we covered. And I want you to really think about something that I'm going to say. It is believed by some people that that is the most eloquent sermon ever given. Okay. So you guys need to memorize it and be able to give it next time you knock on someone's door. No, that's not what I'm saying. But see, let's look at just one verse of that whole section and it's verse 34. So go, everybody, let's go to verse 34. It says, however, some men joined him and believed. Well, there was fruit, right? There was fruit. Some men joined him, and some believed. Among them, then he gives the names. Now, there's something interesting thing that I want to point out in verse, in verse 22 through 32. So just, I'm, we're not going to go over it, but I'm just, just, I want you to just, just for a minute, bear with me because I don't want to lose you, because this is really important. In that whole eloquent, eloquent speech or sermon that he gave, not once is the name of Jesus mentioned. That's the first thing. Once again, not once is the name 
of Jesus mentioned between verses 22 and 32, which is the actual sermon at Mars Hill. The next thing, not once is the cross mentioned. Okay. Jesus isn't mentioned. The cross isn't mentioned. As I see it, not once is the simplicity of the gospel message given. Okay. Not once is the simplicity of the gospel mentioned. Now, remember what I told you guys that in the disclaimer that what I was going to tell you, I don't want you to go in to change anything. If the Lord has you doing, witnessing and sharing in a certain way, continue doing it. What I want you to look at is the things that I say and then take them into consideration what they would mean to you personally next time you have the opportunity to share. Now, the reason why I say this is that even though Jesus wasn't mentioned, the cross wasn't mentioned, and in turn, in my view, this is my personal view, the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel was never mentioned at the Sermon on Mars Hill. God is so awesome and so mighty and so loving that he still drew men unto himself. He still, some came to the Lord. There were still people that were saved. Now, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 18. This is important. So let's, let's all turn to Acts chapter 18. And actually, it's just the next chapter over. But chapter 18, and I'm going to start reading at verse 1 through 8. So it's just a few verses. Just a few verses. Okay. It says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. Okay. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So, because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked for by the uh, occupation were tent makers. They were both tent makers, or all three of them. Okay, verse 4, and it says, And he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. Then Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia. Paul was constrained by the Holy Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But they, when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon you, upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he departed from them and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, who worshiped God and whose name was whose house was next door to the synagogue. Now, the reason I wanted I want to do that is because we're because I want you to look at Acts I'm sorry, yeah, Acts 17:34. And it says, cuz I want you to look at the difference between these. It it says, however, some men joined and believed among them and deny deny I see I messed up the name the the apergite and a woman 
and others with them. Those, that's, remember, the Sermon on the Mount, and these are the little people. Now, now, now look what happens in verse 8. In verse 8 it says, Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord Jesus with all his household, and many, many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Now, you're probably thinking, well, Sal, aren't you just splitting hairs there? What's the difference between some and many? Well, you make that determination. Because right here, we're specifically told many. Now, what, what caused all this? What caused, why, why the big difference? I think the difference is what he was preaching. That's the difference. The difference, and we're going to be able to see the difference right now. I want you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and allow me to read verses 1 through 5. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did I not come, I did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of the power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm going to read it again because it bears importance. It says... And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech and wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. What did he use at Mars Hill? I mean, seriously, if you guys remember all those fancy... He he eloquently spoke the truth. Here it says that he didn't come with that. For I determined not to know anything among you except... Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. They knew that he, was, that he was scared. They knew that he was going through a lot of things. And see, the reason why is because there was opposition. When you preach fancy, eloquent things, people are going to come to the Lord. When you take these little formats that they give you, there is going to be people that come to the Lord. We see that. We see the example in the Bible. But when you preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, there's going to be opposition. But the difference is that you're preaching by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're preaching the simplicity of the gospel, and you're sharing the truth that you have. They'll hate you for it, but they cannot deny that it's God and him alone and his gospel that is the one that causes men to repent and to turn to him. 
And see, that's what I think is just so important here. And I just, just, I love it. It's Jesus and him crucified. He came in his weakness, the power of God, and not the wisdom of man. Now, that's my favorite. It's simple. You're not going to go and give them some new thing. No, you're not going to ask them all these different questions. Now, mind you, I'm not telling you to change anything that's been established that you've been doing already. What I am telling you is do what the Bible has shown you to be powerful and effective. Not the wisdom of man, but the power of God. Not these new fancy little questionnaires, but the truth of the gospel. Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, when you recognize and you see that, it doesn't matter what people say because they can come against you, but they're not coming against you. They're coming against the truth of the gospel. And see, that's what is so important. Now, here are the three things. Just to recap before I, before I wrap things up, the three things is the blind man who knew nothing, but now he could see. Okay? Be yourself. Don't pretend to be somebody you're not. And just give them the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's all you got to give them. The last two scriptures that I want to give you is 2 Timothy. And you can close your Bibles, or, but you can check me to make sure I'm not going off the deep end, which that's what's important. But it's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. It says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with long-suffering and teaching. And then the last one, which I think it is so important. The one thing my mom used to say, that little kids and crazy people never lie. And she'd say it like this, los niños y los locos no echan mentiras. Okay, that's, that's tongues for some of you here. But basically it says that little kids and, and, and crazy people never lie. The thing about little kids and crazy people, if you will, they know when you're fake. I don't know how it is, because once we come a, become adults, we want to be liked. So we, we don't know or we, we just ignore it. But here's the important thing that I want to leave with you, the last scripture. And that's found in Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6, which says, Walk in wisdom towards those who are outside meaning non-believers, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. That's important. I want you to think about that. And I also want you to always remember that no matter where you are, or what you're doing. You're representing the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we thank you, Lord. And Lord, I just, I thank you for your word, Father. And I just pray and I just ask, Lord, that you would just use the simplicity of the gospel, Lord, to change people, Lord, to change people to turn towards you. Father, I pray for each and every person here, Lord, that you would give them the desire to share their faith, Father, I know that it's always you who are going to be glorified because we do that. But as for us tonight, Lord, just bless us and draw us closer to yourself, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Can you all stand for the last song, please? And I'm going to ask a favor. Now that I got your attention, um, we're going to do our carpet cleaning um, on Tuesday, and we're going to do this section. Ladies, this is not for you. You just ignore what I'm about to say. But all you young, strong men, and Gene, especially you, big muscle man, okay? All we're going to do is just going to stack the chairs in fives right where they're at. We don't need to move them. And it's only this section here all the way to the booth. So don't worry about moving them. And, and you know what? And if you guys, honestly, you know your backs. Don't, don't take any chances. Uh, we'll just keep Gene here longer. All right? God bless you guys, and thank you for putting up with me. Thank you, brother. Pour out your Time. Jesus, you 
a good night, everyone.